Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. and welcome to the Mind Pretty Soul podcast where I get to talk about that which gives you peace of mind, keeps you looking pretty and the things that make your soul sing with incredible women that inspire me. In this first ever episode I'm joined by someone who's so very special to me. We've known each other for 10 years. Despite her being one of my closest friends, I know that she's one of my closest friends because she's trekked from South London all the way to the other end of London <laughs> to record with me at 9am on a Saturday. Um, I'm also bribing her by the way pancakes at the IV after we finish recording so that aside she is still someone that I'm incredibly in awe of when it comes to her story working in tech to utilizing her wealth of experience to create an app that I think will completely revolutionize the game when it comes to accessing mental health services so who is this tech was best friend of mine that you ask I'm delighted to welcome my friend Pfizer Shake founder of Happier You an app designed and developed by therapists for anxiety depression and stress so Pfizer, we first met at university 10 years ago. We went from students to being unemployed for the first time. We used to go to Harrods every now and again while we were unemployed, um, you know, manifesting. If you want to manifest something, i.e. wealth or, <laughs> or just <laughs> expensive things, you obviously surround yourself in that environment. We don't want to say that it's been 10 years since we finished uni because I think it just reveals our age even Wait, more. Wait, no, it's not been 10 years since we finished uni. It's been 10 years since we started uni. yeah. But almost ten. Let's ten. say five. <laughs> or four. <laughs> or four, yeah. Four, four. We're like a lot younger than we are. Um, so, yeah. And after uni, we went on to naturally carve out our respective paths um, when it comes to our own careers. You work in tech still to this day. And I work in marketing in the beauty industry. So tell me a bit about your experience working in tech and what is it exactly that you do? So thank you very much for having me. I'm really excited to be on your podcast. Um, so I did IT and business at Queen Mary and I wasn't really sure what to do in tech. Um, and I think there weren't a lot of women at that time who were choosing tech as a career. Most people would do medicine or become a teacher. Um, yeah, so tech wasn't really big at that time. I think it took off like when I after I graduated actually. Um, so I did IT and then I became a project manager and then since then I was working for like ASOS, um, Independent Evening Standard, Babylon Health and my interest I think developed around three years ago into mental health. So what is it about mental health that led you to pursue it because I think with your experience working in tech to actually going on to create an app you've married those two interests but then where did the interest in mental health really begin? So my mum suffered from depression a few years ago, I think around seven years ago, and she had a lot of anxiety. And I think I was at like, I was at university at that time. So 
I didn't really know what that means for me because I had no awareness about CBT. I didn't know what mental health was. I didn't know what depression was. I didn't know what anxiety was. And I think being Asian, there's a huge stigma around mental health. People think that there's something wrong with you or you're crazy or you're possessed. But people never really appreciate that actually... Well, I wouldn't say never, but I think based on my experiences, people would never actually say, actually, you know, you might have depression, maybe get therapy. Because the stigma around therapy is there's something wrong with you yeah and so which is why she never got she never really understood cbt she never got um therapy for depression she when she did get it through the nhs she had to wait around six months for her first cbt session and i think when it comes to something like your mental well-being because your mental well-being makes such a big difference to your everyday life and how you perform with your relationships and or at work um and just generally how you are I think six months is ridiculous because I think I appreciate all the work that the NHS does but I think when it comes to mental health I think we are going um I think we are failing somewhere um really big definitely I think from personal experience and also through friends and family um also people that I know who actually work in the in the NHS in mental health particularly um there is a mental health crisis um, in the country, especially when it comes to younger people. We're finding that younger people are increasingly more um, anxious. You're finding more people diagnosed with clinical depression and other mental health issues. And if we're then having incredibly long waiting times, then what is available to people out there? And I think, like you said, um, that you can't fault the NHS in the sense that they are incredibly hardworking people in the NHS. My friends and my family all work in the NHS and they can attest to the fact that there are ju- like there are just so many people to treat. There's so much going on. They don't have enough resources, not enough time. The waiting lists are huge, not just for mental health services, but anything from seeing a consultant to um, even GP appointments. So I definitely agree when it comes to the fact that the NHS isn't necessarily quick to address or to respond to people with mental health issues. So if someone goes to their GP today and says to their GP that I'm, in, I'm, I'm not feeling right mentally, I'm under the weather slightly, I'm not motivated, um, I'm feeling really depressed, that time from, from then up until the time they're actually able to access a therapist or someone who's able to treat them with CBT, it is really long. So for you, wh- where do you think that, that stems from or, or where do you think that or rather, what do you think the NHS can do about that? So I think the NHS is massively overburdened with the population they're serving, especially in London, um, and which is why the waiting list, um, I think despite the funding uh, for mental health, I think being around 10, 10 billion or something last year, um, there's just I think there's just so much work that needs to be done. And I think especially when it comes to tech and the NHS, the NHS is very, very behind. They still use legacy systems, you know really really basic systems compared to like the tech that startups use and I think it's just really sad because I think if I was someone who was suffering from depression or anxiety you would need help immediately by immediate I mean within 24 hours because if someone's having a mental breakdown they can't wait three months they can't wait six months so if I went to my local GP at least in Lambeth the waiting time it's actually a postcode lottery as well so depending on what postcode you live in the waiting times might be different. So if you're in Lambeth, the waiting li- the waiting time to see a counsellor or a therapist is around three to six months. I don't know, in, in Richmond, I think it's a couple of weeks. So I think it's really sad because although we kind of have, everybody has like similar experiences and our mental health help, I think, should be equal for everyone. But sadly, it's not. It's dependent on what you can afford, number one, and number two, you can't afford to go private then it's dependent on what postcode you live on and how long you can actually afford to to wait and I think that's quite sad because you know people are struggling behind the scenes and therapy is just really expensive so when you need it you can't afford it and otherwise you just have to wait really long so it's it's a really difficult situation and I don't I don't know what solution the NHS has apart from just making more therapy available yeah um and making it equal despite you being a different postcodes really yeah i think you make a really interesting point about the fact that those who can't necessarily afford therapy 
have a harder time to access it. But the irony is that some people, their mental health problems and their, their anxieties and their worries stem from the fact that perhaps they're from a lower socioeconomic group. They might be in poverty. And so for people like that, when they're not able to access mental health services that are adequate or to be treated within a quick time, but then that issue stemming from the fact that perhaps they can't pay their rent or they're in debt, um, it's it's kind of a catch-22 in that sense because when someone who is poorer or, or isn't as well off as perhaps someone from another borough, then what can we do for them? And I think with your app, what you've done is you've created an app that offers CBT services to people for free, by the way, for free, but absolute zilch, which is amazing. And so can you tell me a bit about how you made that app and also why you made it free? Yeah, sure. Um, so around two years ago, I was working at Fitch Ratings in finance and it was very random. I think one day I just woke up and I thought, oh, like, I wonder what mental health and tech is like. And I just started Googling and the amount of statistics I saw was just shocking. Like one in four of us um, is going to experience a mental health issue a year. And then it was just numbers and numbers and numbers of people waiting, either on waiting lists or who've died from suicide because they never got help they needed at the right time and people with anxiety. And it was like, it was like stepping into a new world of just all these hidden things that people don't talk about. But yeah. it's like me not telling you that I've got anxiety, but Googling it and saying, what can I do to help myself? But I would never admit and say, yes. actually, I have anxiety. Yeah. Um, and then I just thought to myself, actually, I'd love to do something in this space. I wasn't quite sure what I would do. So I went to a Techstars startup weekend. Techstars is a tech accelerator program. And it was a three-day um I remember. Startup I remember you being weekend, on that. Yeah. Um, in 2018. And it was really fun. It was like long hours from like eight o'clock in the morning to like 12 o'clock in the evening for three days. So essentially you go there, you pitch an idea that could help the NHS and... I basically said, look, like, there's not enough help for people out there for mental health on the NHS. Great. Um, and what can we do? Um, yeah, so we were in groups. We pitched different ideas. I pitched an app. And it won. I think when it won on the third day, um, and the, the judges on that panel were, like, surgeons in the NHS and doctors and senior senior NHS psychiatrists. So I think when they saw a lot of potential in my idea, I just thought there's more than just doing something and just leaving it and just winning I guess yeah it, it just it affirms to you that something that you have in your mind is, yeah. is of value and, and it shows you that actually instead of just keeping this idea in my mind or just having it as a as something that's abstract or a theory that if these people in the NHS surgeons like you said and doctors and stuff the fact that they chose this idea to win means that there's something worth creating here yeah, exactly. So I think I just thought to myself, I took a few months off. I kept thinking about it. Um, I was working at ASOS at that time. And I just thought, you know what, I think I'd love to start researching. So I started contacting a lot of therapists. And I started speaking to a lot of CBT therapists and saying, look, what can what can I start with? That's a very small project, but that gives something of value to someone. So I spent the last, I think, a year and a half um, working with two amazing therapists. One of the therapist's names is Dr. Gemma Boyd and the other one's, his name is Dr. Nadeem Siddiqui. And they've got like 20 years of experience within the NHS. And wow. I just sat down with them and I was like, look, if someone has anxiety, someone has depression, what can help them during that time? But obviously an app, I'm going to add here that and I don't think an app can fix your mental health problems. I think it's just... I wouldn't even say solution. I think it's knowing that you have something there and I'd see it more of like an educational resource because a lot of people from the feedback that I got, they didn't even know what depression is and they didn't even know what CBT is. So it's, I could, I, I kind of see it as an educational resource for someone to be able to download that app and see the content that the therapists have written, like sessions on mindfulness for anxiety, sessions on like CBT for depression. And when you go through the sessions, even when I was reading it, I was just amazed. Every single time I would read the content they wrote, I was just learning something new and I was like, this is insane. Wow. The fact that clinical depression has very different symptoms to, if I say, oh, I'm having a bad day, I'm depressed. That's very different to clinical symptoms of depression because you're going to have that for longer than two weeks. It's just constant low mood. You're hopeless. You feel like, you know, there's no point in living. And 
it's not like you're happy one day and then you're you're sad the next day it's not like your everyday kind of feelings it's more more a lot more serious yeah so I think people understanding what depression is I think is a huge step number one even before you realize you might actually need help so I think in that aspect I think we've done a really good job yeah so I've used the app and I've looked through it and the fact that you say for example that it's educational and what the therapists have written that's a really good point because you're not just kind of downloading this app and saying right you've got depression you've got anxiety we're gonna fix it we're gonna fix it straight away I think that would be very irresponsible whereas when I do read through the content I see that it actually explains what is depression. And so from there, I guess, someone who's using this app can therefore understand how their mind is working. I mean, not everyone is a textbook example all the time, but from there, they're able to understand themselves a lot more to understand perhaps where do these moods stem from? What is um, available then to to help you to, to alleviate some of these issues? And then from there, CBT can actually be a means of addressing that anxiety and certain thoughts, anxious thoughts or depressive thoughts. But then, like you said, it's not a cure-all. It's not something that will be there to absolutely cure all of your your mental woes. Therefore, why would you say CBT in this app as opposed to any other kind of means of addressing mental health issues so the reason why um i chose cbt is because cbt has a lot of clinical backing and a lot of scientific evidence to show that actually it does work so if you went to a doctor um and you said you know i've got depression or anxiety they'd offer you either maybe antidepressants and if they don't then they might say actually why don't you try counseling or cbt so counseling is different there's a difference between counseling and cbt because cbt is more evidence-based it's a lot more work in the sense that they would ask you why do you it's more like addressing the root of the problem of why you feel the way you do they'd go deep into your childhood your traumas your experiences and help you question what evidence you have for your thoughts whereas i think counseling is more different that it's not as deep as counseling i mean not as deep as cbt and it, it just it's purely in terms of clinical evidence like when I spoke to CBT therapists, the amount of evidence they had for how CBT actually works in, you know, in most of the mental health hospitals around the world, I just thought, you know, this this feels like the right solution because I think it would be wrong to put something into an app that has no clinical backing and it's just, you know, stuff that's just Googled, random information, because that's not beneficial to anyone then. I think that's great to know that you created something that has a scientific backing as opposed to something that is just based on your whims because like you're not a mental health professional yourself you're someone who's kind of bridged that gap you've bridged the mental health professional experience and their their knowledge and their scientific research and you've used your tech experience to bridge that gap um so you're I guess with your experience you're the means to um kind of putting the the therapist's experience and their knowledge and their writing out there to people that need it. Speaking of people that need it, how have people responded to the app? So we launched, I think, in the first week of August. I've been quite lazy, actually, I have to admit. I haven't done a lot of marketing. I'm I'm not very good at marketing. (laughs) I'm always saying to (laughs) Pfizer that we need to get the app out there to people a bit more because that's my marketing brain I guess for you you're thinking more from like the tech aspect of it but for me I'm always like marketing okay now you have these people that are using it how do we maintain these people also not even just necessarily marketing in the strict sense of yes we need to get more people to use it just exactly just to kind of spread awareness of this app that there is a solution out there it's not going to cure you entirely it's something that's going to be out there to help you it's it's an option for you to use and it's going to really address some of the the issues that you might have so I think from August I've got around 3,000 registrations in different countries I think US is number one we've got users in the UK in Egypt Saudi wow so it's international yeah a couple of people in India I think Japan as well. So, yeah, I don't know how these people found the app, um, but they have. And I think the data that I've seen has been really, really interesting for me because so it's all obviously um, protected by GDPR, but like it's generic anonymous data and it's stuff like I'm really happy I found this app because I think I see hope now and I'm having a bad day, but I'm going to try the breathing exercises. So I think when I launched it, it didn't really mean anything to me but when I started getting feedback and when I started seeing the data 
it just kind of motivates you because you're like, wow, somebody actually out there is using it. And there's around, I think, 100 people using it on a day-to-day basis because it's got like breathing exercises and mindfulness. So I think when you see the impact of your work, knowing that you spent two years of your life building this on your own in different cafes across London, (laughs) it kind of gives your work a lot more meaning than just basically putting something out there that nobody uses. And it's amazing that you're able to to get that kind of feedback from people because for you, I personally, as a friend, I've seen you work so hard in this app. You've worked tirelessly to create this app and all of the different hiccups and everything, it, creating an app isn't easy. But for you, I think knowing that actually all of that effort and all of that time is worth it because you're actually helping people, like you said, they might not necessarily have had hope before, but it gives them hope. That in and of itself is incredibly powerful for someone to say that what you've created something that you have created has given them hope even if it were just one person to have said that makes it all worth it doesn't it yeah exactly I and I think sometimes what happens is when you're working on something you don't really realize like for me it was just like I've started this I want to finish this and that's all I could think about I was like the day I finished this you know that's it I can go back and live my life but it's just when you when you've come so far and you've done so much when I did so much research into CBT and speaking to different therapists and stuff it's just knowing that there is actually such limited options out there that every time I went on the NHS website or every time I googled it there'll be like companies where either you just have to pay a lot of money or it's just stuff that I wouldn't really use and I think I wanted to build something that I found useful because there's a lot of apps out there that have no clinical evidence to it and it's just random stuff like you entering data but you don't really know why you're entering it that's why I wanted to create like sessions step by step and something really generic that you know when if I'm having like a bad day I've actually gone onto that app and actually used it myself because I thought if I'm building something that I want other people to use have I actually used it myself yeah so I actually sat down on it on a day when I was really stressed and I used all the breathing exercises and I thought this is really cool like it's actually helping me calm down and it's actually helping me be less anxious so I think that's the whole point that to for me, it's to build something that's useful. And I think for the next stage for this year, what I want to work on is actually add on more therapists. So actually have the app have a section where you can contact a therapist. So that's my goal where anyone can go in and money's not the problem, but you can choose to pay maybe like 20 pounds, 30 pounds, which doesn't really exist in the UK because an average therapy session costs around 70 pounds. Um, so just breaking down the barriers of what you can afford make it like as cheap as possible and you can just access anyone from your phone a bit like you know what telemedicine is you know going back to the fact that you mentioned that some therapy sessions go for as much as 70 pounds or I've even seen um, way more 100 150 yeah and again it goes back to that point of people not being able to access mental health services when it comes to for example the NHS if you've hurt your leg you go to the GP I'm only saying I've hurt my uh, hurt my leg because I actually have hurt my leg I've injured my quad muscle in the gym earlier this week but anyway um if I go to the GP tomorrow and I say to my GP look my leg hurts they're going to prescribe me something quite quickly um they know that okay look here you go here's a painkiller or here's an antibiotic for an infection you're dealing with but if I'm not satisfied with that If I do have the means, I can actually go to a private doctor and access that. However, um, I still do have access to that free healthcare. However, when it comes to mental health, mental health falls behind um, actual. Yeah. yeah, And it falls behind when it comes to actually accessing just the most basic mental health services. And so some people are having to turn to paying a fortune for mental health um, services like CBT or counseling sessions or psychotherapy and so on and it's almost like a luxury because I remember like when I've had CBT in the past every time I've paid for it, I think I've had like maybe a couple of sessions I've paid around 60 pounds per session but I think not everyone can afford 60 pounds per session because that's yeah. a lot of money when it adds up yeah I mean 60 pounds for some people it's hundreds of pounds yeah. 60 pounds is food shopping for some people that's travel um petrol you know it's 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 not easy to just spend that much money for a lot of people out there especially when it comes to the current state of this economy and so I think when you're saying that you're able to provide a service that's free today and then also to be able to easily access a therapist for a lot cheaper than what's out there 
it's groundbreaking and I'm confident that a service like yours is going to to shatter everything because people resonate with the fact that they can't necessarily afford mental health services and so by by doing something like you are you're able to to give people the floor and just to say to them look if you can't afford this you can you can afford you can, if you sorry if you can't afford a therapist session or an expensive cbt service then actually here is this app and you're able to address some of the issues that you have with with this with the service that i'm giving you yeah exactly and i think it's also the, the fact that you don't need to go to someone like there's still so much stigma amongst us even though it's good that we're in 2020 we're talking about mental health we're talking about our well-being but i think there's a lot of stigma to it now that when someone says oh by the way i got therapy or i, I am yep. in therapy people are like oh my god what's wrong with this person or like you know why are they getting therapy and what a waste of money so there's a lot of stigma and i think the fact that if there was an app where you can literally just go into the app and book a session with a therapist and you don't need to tell anyone and get the help you need because i genuinely believe the longer you delay your mental health help when you need it the most the more your health deteriorates and that means you perform a lot worse through like you know your job yeah your daily life your focus your mental energy in like you know in your relationships generally because you're just not in the right headspace and yeah so i i hope that people find this app useful when we do eventually launch in the next six months that they can contact a therapist which is secure they don't feel like they need to be judged and also the human aspect that i think it's actually quite interesting because i remember calling a therapist i think a year ago and I just went on a counselling directory and I texted loads and loads of people and then one person responded and I was like, okay, perfect. And this person is going to give me a session within £30 because yeah. I'm really broke and I can't afford 60 this month. And when the therapist called me at 10 o'clock in the morning, I said, oh, hi, look, I'm looking for therapy. I'm looking for therapy urgently. I'm not in the right headspace. Do you have like some time today or tomorrow? That'd be great because um, I don't want to wait a couple of weeks. And she said, yeah, sure. Um, I can book a session do you mind transferring the money on PayPal to me first? And that really hit me because I was thinking, obviously I know I have to pay, but it's the fact that she prioritized me paying on PayPal yeah. rather than how I was feeling at that moment because I wasn't in the right headspace. And I was just thinking, I'm really not okay. And all this person cares about is my PayPal details. And it I feels think, quite transactional. Yeah, I mean, it's not It's not like I'm buying something. Like, I genuinely want help. Like, I want someone to give me, like, unbiased advice or, like, help or, like, help me get through the clutter that I have in my mind. Yeah. And, yeah, and that's, that's one of the biggest learning lessons that I don't want to do in this app. Like, I want it to feel... I want people to feel so welcomed, like it's a safe space where they can go in, they can choose their own therapist, look at different profiles, feel really comfortable, choose different languages if they want to speak in, I don't know, French or, um, I don't know, Arabic, whatever they feel comfortable in, choose their own language, choose their own therapist, choose the amount of money they want to spend. So not that someone's telling me it's only 70, it's only 100. Actually, you can choose it's going to be a 30 it's going to be 35 something that I can actually afford and while I'm actually comfortable with everything I know this person's going to say okay cool well you know you can book um and it's at four o'clock but it's just like her words the fact yeah. that she just said can you pay on PayPal first I just thought this is insane because I'm really not in the right headspace so uh, anyways I, I basically said don't worry because I don't want I don't want to continue with you and I found someone else she was amazing because she she listened to me she was like look let's have a session calm down let's talk at four o'clock um today or whatever yeah and yeah so it was like when it comes to mental health you can't just think about money <coughs> and it's not easy as it seems it's very very complicated and most people who need help aren't in the right headspace so i think it's really sad when people just kind of like make it into not i wouldn't i don't know exactly how to describe it but not exactly it's not a business basically like help people in the right way whatever you do help people in the right way use the right tone i'm really really careful with like the amount of times we sat down and we changed the language that we use in the app because i was like no this makes this makes me feel uncomfortable we have to use language that's not scary that's not clinical but actually just makes feel makes people feel really welcomed and safe that's great yeah 
But the PayPal didn't make me feel welcomed and safe. <laughs> because like you said, there are people who are not in the right headspace. And so a lot of doctors, they do understand that there is a duty of care and that there are ethics involved. But then at the same time, there needs to, to be that consideration, obviously, of their money, because naturally they are offering a service to you. But then I guess there is that importance of actually having to tread carefully, especially with people that are not necessarily in the right state of mind. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been approaching you in the first place. Exactly. Yeah, I think I think that's right. Because if it was if it was a general, let's say, work call, I think it's OK. But I think when it comes to something where people aren't in the right headspace, you just have to be really careful with the kind of language you use, what people are reading, how you interact with them, um, which is why something like that was a was a really big learning experience for me to know, actually, that's not what you should do. Because when I was in that situation, I didn't feel very welcomed. Yeah. Going back to what you said about offering it potentially in other languages, when it comes to different cultures, like you mentioned, um, you're from an Asian background, you're Pakistani, how has your family responded to something like this or even the wider community? So my family is incredibly supportive. Once I come up with an idea, I'm like, I've got this idea, don't disturb me. I'm going to spe spend the next six months to one year of my life working I on can it attest over to the that. weekend. I can attest to that. <laughs> and I can't see you. And anywhere I go, I'm going to carry my laptop, whether it's a dinner or a brunch or even just meeting someone after work. I'm always going to have my laptop. Um, so they were really supportive. They were really, really supportive. I don't think I would have been able to. I'm really, really lucky that knowing that I have the potential to be able to do this, they were really supportive. And they were like, look, there is a huge problem when it comes to you know getting help for mental health and they were like you know if you've got the idea do it they're always thinking or oh, maybe why don't you contact a therapist and you know why don't you um find someone who's maybe a doctor to hear about the experiences and stuff and they were really they were really supportive and I, I definitely couldn't have done it without them because if they just said oh actually don't waste your time doing that or and especially because it's free you might not make money it's a waste of your time if they said anything like that I think I wouldn't have continued but I think the fact that they are so understanding of the importance of mental health and well-being themselves and they're so aware they were like actually no we definitely need something like that that's amazing i think when you have a really strong support unit in your family it just gives you the will and it gives you the willingness to continue doing what you're doing and the fact that you had such a strong idea and then also you had the emotional backing and the support from your family, from your loved ones. It kind of affirms to you that, you know, what I'm doing is truly worth it. And I have to just continue going, you know. Yeah, exactly. And it's not easy. I think it's I don't know how I've done it. It it was when I started in 2018 and we launched last year, like a year and a half. It was really hard because I contacted around maybe 250 therapists and only a couple of them responded. A lot of them were like, oh, sorry, I don't have time. Or sorry, I'm not interested. Or I don't do external projects. And I just thought, I need someone who's a mental health CBT professional to yeah. be able to give me the content for the app. Because I can't write it. I'm not a professional. I don't want to get it from a book. I want it to be authentic content based on experience. I think that was the hardest bit. And then when it came to... Um, looking for a designer I spoke to a lot of designers but it's really hard to find someone where you can like their work is amazing and, and their portfolio is amazing so I was really lucky to find an amazing designer and then I found a developer through one of my friends at work and yeah so I'm really lucky that I had an amazing team because I think you can have an amazing idea but if you don't have the right team with the right skills people who are amazing at what they do you can never build something like this absolutely so you'll just be really restricted Absolutely. And you have a vision, but then you are you yourself, you're not a developer, you're a project manager in, in tech industry. So for you, it's kind of communicating that vision to the different professionals that actually know how to actually execute it and then getting it done. And the app itself, when I look through the app, I look at it and it's I feel like you've done it deliberately in terms of the design and, and it looks very calming. It's a very relaxing looking app. The interface is intelligent. Um the colors as well so what was it like designing the app itself so I'm not very creative actually <laughs> <laughs> I, the reason why I'd say that is because I'm not the kind of person who would say oh let me just make these amazing drawings and let me just like like I don't have a portfolio I'm not a designer but I think what I 
did have is I had a very clear picture of what I want and what I wanted it to be is I wanted a course on depression. I wanted a course on mindfulness. I wanted it to be really easy to use that literally it's just, it's like someone talking to me. So I play the audio sessions and Dr. Nadim speaking to me. Then he says, okay, I want you to fill out a form. Then I'm filling out the form. Then he says, okay, let me tell you about depression. Let me tell you about the symptoms. So I designed it in a way that it's like a session in real life. So I'm sitting with someone and it's like session one, session two, and session three. So you learn different things in different sessions. And I think when we were writing the content, we had to be, it took a very long time, like a couple of months to just refine all the content in the app because there was so much. And I think, I didn't want it to be too clinical because I think if it's clinical, then not everyone understands it. Yeah. And it sounds quite scary. So I didn't want it to sound scary. I started adding in content, stuff like in the content like look it's fine we're going to work on it in the next session or don't worry um it's okay we all go through this yeah so I think that makes me feel really comforted yeah and also I think it's really tricky in the sense that because the therapist was so used to doing these sessions face to face actually putting it into a word document for them was quite hard because it's not a textbook but it's actually like so when, when you would go for a real CBT session, face-to-face, you'd have to fill out all these forms. And we tried to add in the forms that you'd fill out in real life into that app. So I think that was tricky to think, how can we have information, but not too much information to the point that it's boring, oh, yeah. but actually get people to use the real forms that you would in a real session. So actually all the forms that are in the app are all real forms, as in all real questions that someone would actually make you fill out if you went to a real CBT session. So for you, it's kind of a balancing act between actual clinical practices within CBT that these therapists are doing, but then also making it in a way that every, like your layman will understand, you know? Yeah, exactly. And just keep it really simple. So you can literally just go onto the app and just understand it and go through the sessions and be like, yeah, okay, this makes sense. Okay, well, this is what depression is. I remember somebody on Instagram sent a message and said, it was like a complete random message and they said thank you very much for the app my brother has I had a feeling my brother had depression but he didn't know till he used the app and when he used the app he kind of thought actually I think my symptoms are real and maybe I do need help so I think for me that was really quite touching because I thought it's it's I think it goes down to awareness again and education that you know what are my symptoms what can I do to help myself what are the roots out there? The earlier you get help and the earlier you understand, I think the better it is for you because you can recover quite quickly. Because I say that because if you've had depression for a year and you have absolutely no idea what you're going through, how to help yourself, I think it's it's like a dark hole. You just go deeper and deeper and deeper and it just gets stronger and stronger and it's a lot harder to get out than I think getting help at the right time, which is why... I think access is so important when it comes to when you need it at the right time. And it kind of, going back to the, the man that you mentioned, or, or sorry, the person that you mentioned who said their brother um, felt that they might have had depression, or rather I think it was she who thought her brother might have had it. From using an app like yours, you're then able to understand yourself a bit more and then perhaps even go and actually seek help from an actual professional and go to your doctor and say, I've been using something and I'm thinking that I might have um low mood so I think I might actually have depression and so in turn you're actually being able to offer a service that really helps in that sense as well so not necessarily using the app the app as a as an outright treatment but rather as a way of being able to investigate yourself a bit further and understand yourself a bit more yeah and it asks you questions like okay what are you feeling and then someone would say actually I'm really upset about work or I've got social anxiety and then I'll ask you questions like well when was the last time you felt like that and then you'd say and when you were in that situation how did you feel and you'd say something like oh well I think I was like sweating and shaking and wouldn't wasn't able to you know talk to people at work because of my social anxiety so uh, once again like CBT delves a lot deeper into the problem rather than just says rather than me just talking for for an hour or just writing stuff in journal it kind of ask you all these questions and I think one of my favorite questions is what is the evidence you have for this thought in CBT it's a major part of CBT ah yes and I think I've used that as well like you know when you think to yourself oh my god this is like 
complete failure or like I think I'm just having a horrible day and that's it and the rest of the week is going to be so bad it's just what CBT teaches you you ask for the evidence and you know I think nine out of ten times the our thoughts are quite erratic and irrational and when you think about the evidence you have it's not necessarily true that you are going to have a bad week just because you're having a bad day you know that makes sense yeah I absolutely get it and um it kind of reminds me of this saying I think it might be Eckhart Tolle um in the power of now I think I'm not sure um where you are not your thoughts you are the observer of your thoughts or something along those lines um going back to what you've said about the fact that we have irrational thoughts for me I can think of everything all at once I can think multiple thoughts per day and then sometimes I look back at my thoughts and I'm like oh my god I can't believe I just thought that or you know these irrational thoughts that we might have um like a sudden thought you might have a thought that stresses you out or distresses you those thoughts are valid but then every now and again you do have to kind of go back and think okay you know my thoughts aren't actually me as a person at my very core my thoughts are probably an accumulation of everything in my life the things I've observed on tv or in public transport I've seen this or just your life experience in general you just kind of pick up things um as you kind of go along day to day throughout the years and so your attitudes towards life and other people and and so on and society standards and things and they can kind of project in your thoughts and I think that that really comes out quite perfectly when it comes to what Eckhart told or I think it is him where he says you aren't actually your thoughts you are the person observing your thoughts and you can look kind of objectively at your thoughts and think why do I actually think this thought why do I think yeah. yeah why do I think I'm a failure okay am I truly a failure what is therefore the evidence for me being a failure and I guess by actually piecing it together and actually looking at the evidence that I am a failure because of xyz perhaps you then understand that my thought is actually quite irrational because if I look back at my um my experiences or or my my accomplishments I'm actually not a failure um it's just a particular stress in my life that's made me thought that yeah and I think that's what I love about therapy is because I think therapy is so unbiased like from when I've had it in the past and when when my friends have had therapy in the past you don't know the therapist right personally it's you know someone you've googled off the internet and said okay cool I want to book a session they don't know you they don't know anything about you unless you tell them something about you correct so and sometimes they won't even like my therapists have never been in London so they're not even the same city so there's something amazing about talking to someone um who you don't know who has no part of your life and you can just tell them anything and you can just tell them what you're thinking and they help you think objectively because they don't benefit yeah they don't benefit in any way by by giving you advice right they're they're only going to tell you well you know think about your thoughts objectively and the advice they do give you is not going to benefit them exactly and they're also not emotionally invested in you either whereas if you were to go to a best friend or your family or your partner or or your mum or whoever and actually tell them about the stresses of your life and how you're feeling um, because of them being invested in you emotionally and the fact that they love you they're probably going to give you advice that I mean they're going to give you advice that they truly feel is best for you anyway but because there is that kind of entanglement of the fact that they are invested in you and the fact that they love you their advice might not necessarily be the most effective whereas someone who's able to look at it from an objective point of view someone who doesn't know you exactly like you've said someone who they they I mean they have a duty of care to you so they are going to care for you in some way but they're not necessarily invested in you in that emotional sense and so from there they're likely to give you advice that is probably the best for you yeah exactly I agree 100% and I think what's great is when you are able to afford therapy when you do have the means for it I've done therapy as well before I've never really openly admitted it to people but there have been some moments in my life where I've been at absolute rock bottom um, for example grieving and, and other things where I've gone to a therapist and it was the best time but also the worst time in some sense as well because going to therapy you're unearthing these traumas in your life and childhood memories or particularly traumatic moments with them and then from there you 
kind of, it, it, everything comes out to the surface and then you honor admitting stuff that you know yourself but when yeah. you hear it from someone else you're like oh my god exactly yeah. Yeah. because i've had like in the past with, where my therapist has said that person is not good for you and i know they're not <laughs> you know and then hearing it <laughs> and from definitely yeah, not. hearing it from someone objectively it brings it all to the surface or um moments um for example i'd lost someone a few years ago um due to cancer and going to those therapy sessions made me realize that actually it was a traumatic moment in my life um i was very upset when 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 that family member passed away but i didn't realize just how much it had affected my life um going on after that but speaking to this therapist and going to the sessions and sitting down with her i realized actually the way i'm acting the way the decisions i make for myself everything has stemmed from that particular moment and it wasn't healthy for me and so understanding that from a therapist that I didn't know personally it completely changed me and when I'd completely when I finished my therapy sessions it was almost like I wouldn't want I don't want to say that I was a new person but it was like I'd gone back to myself in a way but also with a bit of value like in in the sense that I was back to my old self but with some enlightenment and and so on but um, I don't know how to explain it exactly but you feel like you've return to yourself your kind of self before you were a bit in your kind of depressed moment but you feel like you've taken on some new lessons and you've gone back to 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 feeling a bit like yourself yeah and I think one of my favorite quotes is you can't pour from an empty cup uh yes and I think yes I always use that so when every time I'm stressed at work or I know I'm not in the right headspace. I always force myself to take a few days off and just do nothing yeah. and like do something completely different. But actually I've learned to recognize when I need to take time off. And I think it's purely because the whole purpose of saying you can't pour from an empty cup is and it, in a real life kind of practical way, I think the best way to explain it is if I'm not in the right headspace, I've got nothing to give you. Absolutely. And if I'm not in the right headspace, I've got nothing. I can't perform at work. I'm making mistakes. I'm not doing the best I can. I'm not being the best in a relationship. I'm not being the best and in whatever capacity, right? I'm just not being the best for this world. So true. And I think if you take time out when you need it and just say, actually, you know what, for the next three days, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to like, I don't know, go to a spa or take a holiday or read a book or actually take days off work when you need to, because I think that's really important. And just kind of like give yourself the space. I think you perform 10 times better. I agree. I agree. Just saying I need to continue and like, I won't listen to anyone and I can't stop. Yeah. You know, last year I was in, um, I was working at a job that I loved, but it was very stressful. Um, And I got to one point where I didn't take annual leave for like five months. And like you said, you can't pour from an empty cup. So but the fact that I hadn't taken annual leave for five entire months, by the way, I think I'd gone traveling around Spain um, around probably about April or May. And I didn't take annual leave until October that same year. And then in turn, what that meant is I wasn't productive at work. So the work that I was doing and I was producing work that wasn't necessarily to the best standard, um, my relationships were deteriorating because I was so stressed out. All I would do is complain to my friends and my family at every chance I got, including you. <laughs> um, and then also you get to a point where you're just very demotivated about everything. You can't pour from an empty cup exactly like you said. And I think it's my fault. No one told me not to take annual leave. Um, it was just me kind of trying to to prove to myself and to others as well, um, my colleagues as well in particular, that actually I can do a great job. Um, you sacrifice your time and, and everything. You just want to just get the job done. And at what cost? The cost to yourself. And then when I actually took time off, I took a week off. Um, I didn't even go on holiday. I just took that time off just to, to get life admin sorted, just to, to relax and just to stay at home. I got sick. I, I came down with a cold. And... For a very long time, all those months, especially I think around August and September, I was um, kind of fighting back a cold. I was doing a lot of work trips and also personal things happening in my life. Um, Just kind of going to and from a lot of things and never getting time to rest. I was kind of fighting a cold 
and I and that cold never actually transpired and then that week that I took off it just hit me with full force and then I was like yes I actually have to listen to my body and actually sit down because my body thought okay so now we're resting now we have time to sit down this is what I this is what I had all along bam and I was at home the whole week doing nothing because I had a cold I think it's also your body's way of responding to stress because I think stress is something that we we go through specifically I think living in London yeah it's like life times 100. Speaking about living in London, right? I was born and raised here. So were you. I love the city with all my heart. I feel like I'm a Londoner through and through. I am a Londoner through and through. But every now and again, I s- sit down and I think if I could just move somewhere in the middle of like and just live in the middle of nowhere, I would. But then obviously, I think after like maybe 30 minutes of just being in the outback, I'd probably just want to go straight back to London. <laughs> but it minutes. is. Yeah, no, seriously. But it. But, I mean, because we've been spoiled by living here, we, we have everything with an easy access, Uber, deliveries at any time, takeaway, um, museums, places to go out on nights out day to day. There's so much to do in London. We're spoiled for choice. Transport is so quick. I mean, I don't I don't drive because I don't need to drive. I don't have a car. I don't need a car. And uh, maybe eventually, maybe if I have a family, I'll buy a car. But for now, I don't because transport is so easy to access and it's so quick as well. But the life here is so fast paced. And that does get to you because when I go on holiday to different cities, especially or different countries, especially places that are a lot more karma. kind of karma in pace, um, I I kind of every now and again, I do think to myself, I want that kind of a slower pace of life and I think to myself if only I could just move there sometimes um there was one point though where I went to New York a few years ago and I fell in love with it I was like this is amazing I'm gonna move here I was trying to find any kind of way that I could move to New York and get a job but I think I probably wouldn't have been able to survive New York it's just I mean I love it but it's London on steroids it's London kind of times a million um in terms of how fast paced it is how the city never sleeps it doesn't sleep um i think the only city that doesn't sleep truly doesn't sleep that i've been to at least is cairo and they're kind of very similar cities at least to me um but london is just chaos it's chaos and i think surely that does get to us at some point as well in terms of the stress that it gives us because you you sit down and you realize that i've worked my butt off all week um, I'm tired. I don't have time for myself. I don't have time to unwind. I don't have time for anything because I'm on to the next thing. I need to go food shopping. I need to get this. I need to get that. The way I'm talking right now is because it's kind of, kind of, I guess, symbolic of just how fast paced London is really. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think, I think London, considering we were born and raised here, I think, I think London is an amazing city, but I think it can be incredibly overwhelming and not amazing for your mental health. And I think the only way to cope, at least for me, is to make sure you take enough time time out. Days um, that you're not doing anything or I'm reading a book or I'm just going for a facial or I'm doing something that that's completely basically helps me switch off. And I think different things help different people to yeah. switch off. But Recently I think, you... Oh, sorry. Sorry, go on. No, no. As in like, I just mean that we need to find things that help us switch off. Yeah. Otherwise, I feel Absolutely. like you can't survive in London. You did something recently that I need to do. You went to the Cotswolds. So tell Amazing. me about that. <laughs> Amazing. I think it's the best three days of my life. Although uh, it's unfortunate that I was ill for most of the days. As soon as I got there, I got a, co- I got a cold. Um, but it's amazing. It, it just, literally what you were talking about earlier, it's, yeah. they've got nothing there except sheeps. So... <laughs> You literally walk out the station. Right, no one from there is listening. And offended, the but. guy, <laughs> and obviously amazing fish and chips as well. And the guy, as soon as I got out of the station, there was only one guy. There's nobody, like no humans. One guy he picked me up in a taxi. Um, I stayed at Dormy House. And yeah, it was amazing because it was just so calm and peaceful. Exactly what you said. Like yeah. it's it was just so calm and peaceful. You spend like three days like by the fire um, and it's really calm. There's like, it's just so beautiful. But then as soon as I remember messaging you, as soon as I got back to you, no, Paddington um, on day number three, I was like, 
I feel like all my money's wasted <laughs> within 10 minutes of getting to Paddington. Because I mean, it does hit can't you. Deal. It, it does. Whenever I've gone on holiday, especially a holiday that's more of like a beach holiday or it's a relaxing holiday, the minute the tarmac, I mean, the minute the plane hits the tarmac, you're like, oh, it's raining. It's, it's literally and it hits stress, you. stress, 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 yeah. stress, stress, stress. And the pace is just, it goes straight. I feel like it kind of, I don't know, it's just kind of unreal. Like it's reset everything. But at the same time, I think it's kind of a lesson to us, though, in a way, because what it does is it teaches us that you cannot have a constant state of being throughout your entire life. You can be relaxed in in the Cotswolds or in the Bahamas. And then the minute you come back to London, you're going to kind of adapt to that pace of life there or here rather. But I guess what it teaches us is that we can take those peaceful moments that we have in life on holiday or when we go away to a retreat or a resort or wherever and just take that moment it's not going to be like that all the time even if you were to live in the Bahamas all day every single day for the rest of your life it's not going to be peaceful for the rest of your life you know you have to take those moments and those lessons you've taken and kind of take yourself back to that every now and again through imagining it or again like you said setting boundaries and saying okay I need to have that me time exactly a balance yeah to say okay I'm gonna work really hard four days even if it's long hours, but then on Saturday, I'm going to do nothing and just read a book and, yep. and eat something healthy. So it's, it's, I think it's about, I think we need to get better at finding a balance between in our daily lives. And I think that's the only way we can perform better and I guess cope better in a healthy way. Absolutely. Um, and, and I think for your mind, it's just not good for your mind yeah. because I think um, we were talking about chronic pain earlier Yeah. and sometimes like I know I've had migraines in the past when I've been in a stressful job and I've never and and as soon as I left that job my migraines finished wow so it's just stuff like that I think your body can't explain certain things but it impacts our body yeah it reminds me of a book I haven't read it before I haven't read it yet but I've been recommended this book I can't remember I think it it starts no it didn't begin with you or it didn't start with you or something and it talks about how a lot of physical pain doesn't just stem from physical issues mental stress is manifesting in the physical sense whenever I go to get a massage I'm always told by the therapist oh my god you're you're so tight in your shoulders and your back and your neck you're so tense and I remember a few years ago this woman went straight at it with my shoulders and my back and my neck and she was like you're stressed and I was like absolutely because you carry that tension in your in your body one way or another you're going to manifest whatever stress you're going through physically whether it's like you said chronic headaches and migraines or tension in your body or through even your your gut health as well because they do say a lot of the time that the gut and the brain I think the gut is your second brain or something so yeah yeah I agree 100% so what else do you do to unwind, Pfizer? Do you, um, aside from just running away to, to the Cotswolds, is there anything else you do to unwind in life? <laughs> um, massages, eat clean. I love juices. Like I love um, putting like just celery, spinach, kale, Yum. ginger into a blender. And I feel like it's the best way because it kind of detoxes your body. So if I know I'm stressed and I need to unwind, I'll always have that juice. I think food is really, really, really important when yeah. it comes to, to to living well and, and, um, and mentally as exactly. well. Exactly. Um, I would go to Foyles in Tottenham Court Road and buy a couple of books and just spend a day just reading a new book and learning something new. Yeah. And I think something that gets you out of your daily headspace into learning something new yeah or like putting yourself in a new mindset well that's us done for today thank you so much for joining me Pfizer um much for having me. I mean we can talk about this for, for forever but I really appreciate you for coming and so where can we find happier you on socials tell me so where I'm rubbish at um marketing once again but what I can do is add the link um so it's happier you h-a-p-p-i-e-r-y-o-u on the app store we're only available um on the iphone right now um so if you want to look for it you can type it in to the app store otherwise um i'll make sure it's on the mind pretty soul instagram page yes absolutely well thank you guys for listening in to my very first episode i hope you enjoy and until next time have a great day bye
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.